This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, January 23rd, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film writer and box office analyst Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. How's it going? Uh, it is Monday, Ryan. So you know why you're here. You're here to talk about the box office. Yeah, uh, I really only do have one purpose around these parts, don't I? <laughs> no, you have many purposes, but on Monday, I feel like your purpose <laughs> is more more focused in, in one direction, and uh, that is box office. So what, what happened over the weekend at the box office? Well, I think we talked a couple weeks ago how it was like, you know, we had a very encouraging weekend there with, you know, where, where we had, you know, several movies, the, all five of the top. Ten, all the top five movies in the top 10 all made, you know, above 10 million where you had, you know, Plane, Megan, Puss in Boots, Avatar, you know, all doing well. Yeah, it was like two, 2019 all over again. Yeah. And then this this week, very similarly encouraging. Well, we didn't have another huge release. So what we had happen was Avatar The Way of Water uh, topped the box office for a sixth straight week. Another twenty million dollars. It's over two billion. It's currently the sixth highest uh, ever worldwide, and it's going to be number four very soon. Uh, we can gloss over this by saying once again, I look like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I will never doubt James Cameron again. Um, uh, but by the way, Ryan, you say that, but when Avatar three is coming out in two years, if it actually hits its release date, which the bad average is low, 
But um, <laughs> if, it's, if it's released in two years, um, you don't think you're going to be doubting the potential? Of, no, of, of no, no, not again. Okay. My my only real question, and again, I've said this before, but I'll say it one more time just in case people haven't heard this. It's my only question now is, did Avatar The Way of Water satiate people's Avatar need? And will, <laughs> Avatar, and will Avatar 3 do a little less as a result? Or will this just tee up the ball for Avatar 3 to somehow do even more? You know, so like, so that's my only real question, but I am not doubting like whatever, come what may, I'm not doubting it again. Like, it's just not, I feel, <laughs> I feel stupid every single week now. And, uh, cause I think of like all the box office people out there. I was one of the most like slightly skeptical, even as the first couple of weeks rolled in. So, so I look like a real clown these days, but everybody was skeptical. I saw a lot of skepticism. No, there were a uh, lot of, they were a lot of the skeptical people were not people that do this regularly. Like the, the, a lot of the skeptical people were people that don't actually really like look at numbers and they're like, people don't care about avatar. I knew better. I just didn't know if it could do these numbers and it's, Oh yeah. Um, well, I didn't see any box office analysts saying it was going to do over 2 billion. No, that I don't seems... think the people were saying it was going to do over $2 billion, but I think there were people a lot more bullish on it than I was. That's for sure. Yeah, so over $2 billion, This week, it's going to surpass, uh, what, Infinity War and also... Force Awakens. Force Awakens, and it'll become yeah. one of the top four all-time worldwide. Uh, that means James Cameron will hold three of the top four worldwide of all time now i will which... say that's worldwide because the one thing i will point out while i tend not to it is important to look at domestic versus international but i do tend to defer to the worldwide number the one impressive thing we need to look at here for is still that star wars the force awakens is the number one all-time domestic with 936.6 million dollars that number is still well out of reach <laughs> even for avatar the way of water so i you know yeah, that that uh that that Force Awakens domestic number is still eye popping. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like how Star Wars, you know, us in the United in the United States, we love Star Wars, but over in Asia, you know, not not as uh, much of nostalgia for Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, it's not it doesn't play quite as well in certain overseas markets. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so that that's the one record that I have a hard time wondering what. what movie could could ever take that down because it's such a specific thing i don't know but but anyway that's worth pointing out as we look at what avatar the way of water is potentially gunning for it's probably not going to get that one i was joking last week on the podcast you weren't here uh you know their uh titanic is getting re-released in theaters for valentine's day i think yeah and Uh, I was joking that James Cameron is coming after James Cameron to to, to retake the throne, the, the crown for for Titanic. Is there any potential of Titanic retaking Avatar after Avatar takes Titanic? Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends how close. Let me look at the. Let me pull up the all time <laughs> world. I should just keep this all time box office worldwide chart open at all times. I don't know why I ever close it. Um, <laughs> so right now, so Titanic is at two point one nine four billion. And I'm going to assume Avatar The Way of Water is going to get, like I said last week, I think $2.2 billion is kind of where you could see it getting to and maybe starting to taper off. So it has yeah. no chance of getting higher than three because it's, there's no way Avengers Endgame is at just shy of 2.8. It's, it's not going to get there. It's just not. Ryan, remember when you make these statements. 
that I, avatar. I, look, you, I will <laughs> resign. I will resign at Slash Film if if The Way of Water gets to two point eight billion in its original theatrical run. I have no idea if it will ever. Re- yeah. But anyway, I agree with you. But anyway, so so uh, Titanic. Um, so Titanic. Let's say I have no idea what it could do, will do, but it should put it over two point two billion with this re-release, right? Cause you only really need, you know, six, $7 million to make that happen. So, so then you're really looking at like what <laughs> amount over 2.2 billion is way of water or Titanic going to get to. And that's yeah. assuming way of water gets to 2.2, but that seems pretty safe at this point. So, you know, if I, if I were to guess, I would say way of water will probably end up in that three spot. Cause I don't know what that Titanic re-release is going to do, but yeah. we'll see. I don't know. I, I know I'm pronostic. Uh, I'm I'm trying to predict what the news headlines are in two weeks, which is ridiculous. But um, you know, you know, I tweeted out about this, about uh, you know, Avatar: The Way of Water, uh, going over the two billion movie uh, box office worldwide, and uh, some people replied, and they were like, "You shouldn't be looking at the all-time worldwide numbers, like." Uh, I forget it was like actually a box office analyst from another site. So I don't have his name in front of me anyways, but he was saying that we should just be looking at the inflation adjusted. So I wanted to bring that up to you, Ryan, get your thoughts on this because, you know, inflation adjusted basically is judging. You're basically looking at how many tickets are sold, right? At that point, you're you're comparing uh, gone with the wind, uh, which I think has like 200, million tickets or something? I don't know. Yeah, there's I, something. I yeah, yeah. So I get I get a little caught up in the in the is it's all that's where it all gets really weird with the relativity stuff because Gone with the Wind there were far fewer movies out there. There was no harm home video market. It was one of very few activities people could afford to go do. It was so I mean when you look at what Gone with the Wind did, it's undeniably impressive but the the theatrical marketplace and the business overall was such a different beast back then that it's so almost impossible to compare what that did versus what like avatar did so now when you're comparing what avatar did in 2009 to what the way of water is doing now in terms of if you just want to look at tickets sold maybe that's a more fair comparison but the 2009 market versus the 2023 market is even very different. So, you know, I get a little caught up in that. So the inflation adjusted stuff is it's sometimes it's worth looking at for certain things, I think. But I also think like I particularly just enjoy talking about this stuff. And I do think sometimes when you get into the inflation adjusted stuff, it just makes it a little less fun to talk about because the further you fall down that rabbit hole, the more you're like, you know, because I like to look at it as the relativity in the moment. Is this a good business move? Is it not? you know, that what do the numbers tell you? And so for me, it, 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 that's kind of where I fall on it, but yeah. What, what does it mean for the, like the right now and the future of movies? And I, I the, the other, like the thing that makes it not interesting is nobody's going to even hit the top 10. If you look at the inflation adjusted, no, you know what I mean? And like, again, that, 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 but again, that has so much to do with, with the fact that the, the 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 theatrical marketplace changes so much and especially like gone with the wind again it's so impressive but i i don't know what the stats are but you'd have to look at how many theaters were open how many movies were even available for people to see yeah. how long it played you know because there wasn't like like again even if you go back to the 80s like back to the future and et played for like a year solid in theaters 
you know, just because there wasn't really a, a huge home video market. So that was how people saw movies. And so, you know, it's just, it's so different. It's so different. Yeah. Uh, Gone with the wind. I looked it up, sold an estimated 202 million tickets. And uh, I don't have the avatar numbers. I don't think those are available for uh way of water, but avatar one, in 2009 sold an estimated 97 million tickets so roughly about half of what uh gone with the wind but again you know some people were waiting to see it at home some people watched on tv some people watched it on an airplane watched it on their phone it's a to- totally different world yeah but, i mean um, i would argue if you look at the amount of people that are alive today that have seen avatar that have or that have seen gone with the wind there's going to be a lot more people that have seen avatar yeah you and also I mean? the yeah, the tickets also were much different. I'm sure back then, what tickets were like ten cents or something. Yeah, I mean, but then again, so but then you got to compare that to inflation and all, you know. So I don't know the what the relative ticket price was to income or whatever. But it, it's worth mentioning that because uh, I think you wrote an article on the site about the 3D numbers that the avatars pulling in. Uh, I did not write that, but oh. yeah, the the it has done gangbusters business in 3D. Yeah, over. A, one billion dollars just from 3d screenings alone so that means half of its revenue is is from 3d screenings which which uh you know we're not talking about the art of 3d and what you know 3d whatever it just means that the the ticket price is higher than yes yeah so but again that 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 sort of like because even you talk about like you know, okay, so you talk about one ticket sale being equivalent to one ticket sale. Well, something like Avatar The Way of Water, people are willing to pay a premium to see that movie in a premium format theater. So like that one ticket sale, yes, it's one ticket, but it but that movie sort of justified people spending more money for that one ticket to see it in a different format. So like that exchange rate doesn't even work like the one ticket to one ticket thing sort of falls apart there between Gone with the Wind and Avatar, right? You know, totally. so like it even that gets interesting. Okay, we don't want to make this all about Avatar. There was other movies that were out this weekend. Uh, do you want to run down uh, the box office? Yeah, let's do this relatively quickly. Um, okay. So one of the interesting things is that Puss in Boots The Last Wish uh, in its fifth weekend climbed back up into the number two spot uh, with 11.5 million, only dropped 20.5%. Uh, it is very close to $300 million worldwide now. And basically what happened is there's no other family friendly and or animated movies out right now. So this movie has run of the town. And what's pretty amazing here is that it's already been available on VOD for a couple of weeks, but people are still going and it's, and the only other family friendly movie coming down the pipeline is not till super Mario brothers in April, I think. Wow. So, you know, Universal, and again, that's a Universal release. So Universal looking real smart here with that. Um, you know, so even with a ninety million dollar budget, this one's gonna, you know, this one's gonna do really well for them. Uh, we should say I'll- that Puss in Boots also highly uh, reviewed. Everybody's loving it, so I think that that buzz also has to do with that as as well a little bit. Oh, very much. A, a, a people, and again, I still haven't gotten a chance to see it. I'm I'm trying very hard to this week, but it's one of those movies that uh, people speak very effusively about like people very much like it um uh and then our our new friend megan here uh uh, fell one spot to number three took in another 9.8 million dollars uh against a 12 million dollar budget this movie in less than three weeks is already at 124.6 million worldwide um 
I yeah, mean, they, probably, they announced a sequel coming, so that's yeah, happening. Al- already, it's probably going to make at least 150, which is, I mean, oof, that's that's good, that's good stuff. Uh, but then the other the other interesting one this week was uh, the 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 big new release, if we can call it that, was missing, which was this the sequel of sorts to 2018 Searching. Uh, Searching, if you didn't see it, starred uh, John Cho, and it was like one of those screen life movies where most of it takes place on a laptop. Uh, it was made for like less than a million dollars and made like 75 million. So Sony greenlit a sequel missing. Uh, it, it, it would now much higher budget, 7 million, but made $9.3 million. So even though it, it came in at number four, it already eclipsed its budget in a single weekend. And it didn't look like Sony spent very much marketing this thing. And it sort of overperformed against expectations too. So, you know, I think estimates and in the weekend had it going maybe around 8 million or something. And when it, so it did almost 10. So that's really, really good. And again, this whole thing where counter-programming totally works if you do it right. Um, And so 2023 so far, we've had a lot more of these types of movies that are kind of filling in the other spots on the chart, you know, really encouraging stuff. Um, you know, so that was pretty good. I thought I thought that was a very encouraging, nice thing to see. I had no idea how that was going to do. I was I was trying to think of like if they did a third film in this, you know, non-connected trilogy, what would it be called? But I can't think of an ing name. The uh, you know the missing searching, uh, you know, all the words that uh, um, come to mind don't have ing like misplaced, disappearing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I would wager that if this does well again next week, we would probably see a third movie get the green light. Um, because yeah. again, I mean, you you know, with a seven million dollar budget, and if you're not going crazy, crazy on the marketing, it's almost hard to lose your money, especially as it being Sony, because Sony doesn't have a major streaming service, so they're sort of an arms dealer selling rights to. You know, so these movies will eventually go to Netflix and and make money from Netflix and then VOD and DVD. So, I mean, if you're responsible with these, these are good investments. And so far, you know, both of these movies are very well reviewed. And I thought both of them were quite good. Did you see Missing Peter by chance? No, I saw the original Searching, which I loved. It was one of my favorites of that year. And I was supposed to see Missing, but uh, then uh, randomly Super Nintendo World uh, had a soft opening here in Hollywood, so I skipped my screening to go to that instead. Uh, which well, we'll I imagine you'll later. have regrets about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see missing with my uh, or my uh, yeah missing with my AMC A list, so I'll, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. So uh, the other uh, horror sensation here is Skin of Marink, uh, a movie that was made for fifteen thousand dollars added another $420,000 to its total. Uh, it's going to be at $1.5 million before it finishes its run, meaning it made 100 times its tiny little budget. Wow. Uh, so that's pretty cool stuff. The only other thing I would mention is that uh, The Sun, uh, Hugh Jackman's latest movie, which is a very much an Oscar hopeful, uh, debuted in 554 theaters this weekend and made an abysmal uh, $239,000. Its per screen average was only $432. This thing was dead on arrival. So more bad news for adult skewing originals that are not horror movies. 
Um, uh, I just wanted to sort of uh, point those out because that was a pretty. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. Re- I don't revel in that. I don't think. I think that sucks. I think that really yeah, sucks. I know. That, I know. But the, the only caveat I'd say is that the father, uh, the director's previous movie w- with Anthony Hopkins that won the Oscar, it only made like two million domestic, but then it made like twenty three million internationally. So like, and it was only like six million with the budget. So if the son was in a similar budget range and if it can kind of do overseas numbers again, it might be okay. But for the moment, it looks like a pretty bad situation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about Tron three in Netflix, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the more interesting of these stories. I, I think people want to hear about Tron three. Uh, last week we learned that it, well, we knew that it was officially in the works, that we knew that Jared Leto was, uh, you know, part of producing, developing, starring in it, uh, but now has the director. Ryan, tell us about it. Yeah, so I guess it's worth saying that, like, when we say that it was, like, in the works, like, in development can mean so many things. Disney has been kicking around some version of Tron 3 for a while. Apparently, Jared Leto was a big champion of getting this thing off the ground when he boarded, I think it was, like, four or five years ago he first became loosely attached. But so now it is like for sure moving forward. Uh, Jared Leto is going to star in what is called Tron Ares uh, with uh, Joaquin Ronning, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he co-directed um, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, and uh, he also directed um, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Uh, so he's going to direct it. Uh, it has a new script in place uh, by Jesse. Oh, God, I don't know how to say this guy. Uh, Jesse w- Wigato. Uh, he's a relatively up and coming screen screenwriter, but, but that's the team in place and, um, no word yet on, you know, how soon filming is going to begin or whatever, but it, it does appear that, you know, following the relative disappointed dis- disappointment of Tron legacy that Disney's going to give this one another go. Okay. Uh, there's a couple things to dissect here. Uh, the director, uh, not a huge fan of his work uh what are your thoughts on the director he seems like a safe choice for sure disney yeah. seems to like him disney seems to like giving him established ip um you know i mean his movies have made money you know i mean i you know he seems to know how to work with you know big talent <laughs> get results uh you know i i get it i get it like it yeah he's not like a sexy choice but i get it but I think that's my problem with this is like Tron Legacy, you know, you can criticize Tron Legacy for or even the original Tron, uh, you know, the story in both of those movies. is not really uh, anything great, uh, but, uh, you know, he's, he's not a sexy choice. You, you need the sexy choice. Like Tron Legacy is a is a sexy movie like the, uh, the the colors, the look of Tron Legacy was just so bold. So uh, I feel like you need a director like Kaczynski or someone, you know, that is going to take those chances is going to try to push the boundaries and, uh, you know, say what you will about, uh, Tron legacy. But like, I feel like that, that look that that movie had kind of, uh, any movie, any, uh, movie with like technology for the next decade had that kind of like light up kind of like glow look of Tron. Like people were like, it it did have a heavy influence on the look. of. I guess I have thoughts on this and that like, you know, it's not quite to the level of Blade Runner 2049, but people kind of romanticize Tron legacy a little bit. It made 400 million against $170 million budget. Like Disney didn't lose their ass on it, but (laughs) they also didn't, 
you know, like, so I don't know that you could argue that that totally worked on the level that they needed it to work. So I think you do need to sort of make it a bit more accessible, make it, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I saw Tron Legacy but once and didn't much care for it, uh, save for the <sighs> Daft Punk soundtrack. Um, like, I really like this. So I don't know. I would I, I would support. Well, that's another thing. I listened to that soundtrack on repeat, Ryan. That, that soundtrack is so great. Soundtrack's and, great. Uh, uh, Daft Punk, I, I, I don't think they uh, left the first movie. Like, I, I don't think. That, well, first of all, they're retired, right? Like they're not. Yeah, they they uh, retired. Yeah, yeah. They're retired, but even if they weren't retired, I don't think that they're uh, working with a big studio like Disney. I, I, I get the sense uh, because there were some people that had to come in and like reorchestrate some of their stuff uh, that they weren't itching to come back for another one so like without that score what is tron 3 i yeah i don't know um <laughs> yeah and i don't know i mean obviously like jared leto people seem pretty unexcited about that like the internet people seem unexcited about that but you know i think your average moviegoer doesn't detest jared leto the way that the internet does um so there are reasons to potentially not love jared leto but that's another conversation for another time <laughs> Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I get D Disney sort of looking at, you know, pirates is wrapped up for now. They may be trying to get that back up a couple of these, you know, potential franchise starters. They, they kicked around, didn't quite get going, you know, jungle cruise is as much as they say, they're going to make a sequel. There's no way they're making a sequel to jungle cruise. So I think they're looking at the IP they've got and they've got to try something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, uh, you know. We'll see. I was a big fan of Tron Legacy. I'll say that. Uh, I know it didn't make a huge amount uh, worldwide. I think, um, you know, if it did, we would have had a sequel by now and not waiting 10 years or whatever. Well, no been. question, because Kaczynski um, had one ready to go. He's talked about it quite a few times that, like, if, if you know, he was ready to go and, and it just never got, got off the ground, but. That said, since then, they've built uh, two roller coasters in Disney parks based on uh, Tron Legacy. So I think there is something I, I'm guessing that home video has done pretty well for them, enough for them to do the sequel. But uh, all that said, Ryan, I'm just basically building up to the point of um, I want a Tron 3, but I don't think I want this Tron 3. And also in Tron Legacy, they kind of like uh, ended that movie. Spoiler alert for Tron Legacy. But they kind of... Uh, I think we're aiming towards like the Tron world coming into our world was kind of like the, the hint. And I think that's what we're going to get in Tron Aries or whatever it's calling is being called. And uh, Ryan, I don't care about our world. I don't want the Tron world in our world. I, the thing I like about Tron is the Tron world. Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Although I got to tell you of movies that teased a different world coming to our world did you see that last Jumanji movie? The third Jumanji yeah, movie? Yeah. I was all for the notion of like Juma <laughs> like Jumanji coming back to like, I don't know, because like the last two were in the game and I was sort of like, I sort of, but anyway, yeah, no, I'm with you. The, tr the idea of Tron, I, I don't even really see, I don't even understand what that even is. Yeah, what is that? that? Light cycles yeah. going down the highway? I don't I understand. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I, I, Let's just hope Jared Leto, Jared Leto doesn't Morbius up another franchise here, but, uh, you know, we'll see. 
Okay, let's talk about Netflix. We've been talking about them for the last year and how kind of like they went from being Hollywood's golden child of like, you know, they kind of established the streaming business and, and proved that it was going to be this big thing so much so that everybody was chasing them uh, to, to create their own streaming services. And then uh, last year, uh, that kind of all came crumbling down as their subscribership uh, uh, started to decrease. And uh, now they're we've gotten the first quarter earnings i think from them it was fourth quarter 2022 fourth quarter. earnings is what were recently reported yeah yeah uh what did we learn ryan well uh it was better than expected um netflix has changed you know some things uh in the way as any company with a brain would after what happened <laughs> um so the biggest thing is that they launched their ad supported tier in november uh that was something netflix was opposed to for a very long time but you know, they, they had to do something and, uh, they beat expectations on that front. Um, uh, 7.66 million people signed up for the cheaper ad supported plan, which goes for six, nine, six ninety nine a month rather than the current 1549 a month for their basic plan without ads. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah. Um, and you know the forecast only had it being at about 4.5 million so so they well exceeded that uh and you know that that's a lot of revenue for them because not only are you getting that $7 a month you're getting whatever the ads are bringing in it opens up a, you know be, so it's a, so it's a big it's a big thing um they had a little statement in their uh uh investor report which was a 2022 was a tough year with a bumpy start but a brighter finish we believe we have a clear path to reaccelerate our revenue growth Revenue growth continued to improve all aspects of Netflix launching paid sharing and building our ads offering. As always, our North Stars remain pleasing our members and building even greater profitability over time. A key part of that phrase is uh, building our uh, <clears throat> launching paid sharing. Uh, now, if you don't know, uh, Netflix is about to crack down on password sharing. This is the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, they want they want to stop that, but they also said that they're open to free ad supported tier, like uh, that meaning like um, I guess what, what's a comparison to that? Well, YouTube? like Peacock, Peacock, Peacock has a free yeah. tier, and and you know, and then you also have services like you know, um, Tubi or you know Roku. Pluto that are completely free ad supported. But Netflix isn't going to do that until the password sharing thing gets cracked down. So, so what the, the idea, I don't exactly know how this works yet. Cause I haven't seen the interface, but the idea is that people that are sharing Netflix accounts, the, the secondary accounts are going to be encouraged to sign up for a new account. So Netflix is expecting some turnover here that some people are going to cancel, but they're, they're expecting that more people will just say, screw it and subscribe rather than bail out so they're thinking the net positive will be because the thing is they're still starting to hit a ceiling with subscribers so they've yeah. got to find a way you know be it through cheaper ad supported be it through getting some of these people that have been you know sharing plans they've got to do something so i do think this is like sort of like they're still going to end up hitting a ceiling but this is a way to sort of increase that ceiling a little bit and uh, the other th surprising news last week was Reed Hastings, who has been uh, CEO of the company since it started, I think. Uh, was he one yeah, of the creators he was one of the Netflix? Co yeah, yeah, he was one yeah. of the co-founders. And so, because I just read, it was, um, it's called It's Not TV, and it was the HBO um, 
biography, like uh, like the book just about HBO and its history. And so yeah. Netflix actually, as you would expect, became a pretty big player in the, like the last third of that book, you know, because of, you know, like HBO kind of could have been Netflix. And so there were other things, but, but yeah, so, so Reed was a big, big player in getting this all off the ground and he was kind of the, the visionary and yeah, he's leaving as co-CEO and he's going to become an executive chairman, but he's really not going to be, you know, overseeing the ship anymore, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Like, I, I don't really know much about the business side be, uh, of the inner workings of Netflix. I feel like we don't really talk about that. We we've, we've talked a lot about Warner brothers discovery and Disney and what's going on in the executive structure there. But like, yeah, what do yeah, you yeah. think, what do you think this means? Well, so just to be clear, so just to go over, so, so Reed Hastings uh, co-founded uh, Netflix with Mark Randolph back in 97. So he has been there since the beginning. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, that's, that's worth pointing out that again, this is 25 years of him, you know, uh, uh, you know, getting out of there. But I do think it means that, you know, so you have the guy who started the company leaving um, and then you have, um, uh, you know, the difference being that you have um, uh, Ted Sarandos now as, as the, the main guy uh, with Greg Peters now stepping in as the new co-CEO. So you have, I think, two more businessy minded people, like very strictly businessy minded people now heading up Netflix Whereas I think Reed was always kind of the guy with a bit of a vision. Um, if I were to sort of distill it, you know, particularly having read that book recently. Um, so I think that you're going to see a bit more like maybe David Zaslav Warner media discovery esque sort of like, you know, business is business uh, stuff at the company, um, which, you know, I think wall street will respond kindly to, but I don't know what that really means for the user in the end. We'll have to see how it all goes. Um, but, you know, it's kind of interesting. And you mentioned uh, Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos. Uh, he recently was talked about uh, talked about Glass Onion. And if you regretted uh, lost box office potential, and I'm going to pull up his quote here. Uh, he says, quote, I think you saw was a lot of excitement. We drove a, a ton of buzz with the theatrical horror re, 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 uh, theatrical release, and we created a bunch of demand, and that demand we fulfilled on our subscription service. Our core business is making movies for our members to watch on Netflix, and that's what we were really focused on. Uh, everything else is really a tactic to drive excitement around those films, unquote. Uh, so I was kind of like hoping that this for re, re yeah, th I can't why can't I say release right now? Uh, this release uh, might have convinced Netflix that there's a benefit to having their movies in theaters for more than a week or two. Uh, that it, it, that it, it adds prestige to those titles or something. Um, but it doesn't seem like the strategy here from the head of Netflix is is changing. What do you think? Yeah, no, I hate this. Um, I, I just think it's, I just think it's dumb. And I, and I think that glass signing could have made them a lot of money and then still perform very well for them. I, I don't know. I think this is a bit, this is a bit stuck in your ways thinking, I, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, yeah, I don't know. Ted, Ted has been out there making the rounds talking a bit. And like, there was one thing I, I don't, uh, I think he, he was speaking with, um, uh, Lucas Shaw of Bloomberg and another thing Ted Sarando said recently. So they talked about, you know, 
uh, it was asking about, you know, has the evolution of the business affected, you know, your relations with the creative community, you know, because people are getting mad about all these shows getting canceled. So here's what Sarando said about that. We have never canceled a successful show. A lot of these shows were well-intentioned, but talked to a very small audience on a very big budget. The key to it is you have to be able to talk to a small audience on a small budget and a large audience on a large budget. If you do that well, you can do that forever. Uh, I thought that was a very reductive way to look at it. And I, and I think that sort of looks at his line of thinking that's very hard line and, and maybe not with an eye toward where the business is going. And, and especially because you have to look at some of those bigger new series, even if they talk to a relatively small audience, those are a good way to get new subscribers. So I think he's, I think that sort of, I don't know. I, I sort of look at Ted as a guy that from, you know, what little I know of him in the press is a guy that I don't agree with. Um, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he's more I, business minded I, than creative focused creative but also he doesn't but because of the way netflix works like even a guy like david zaslov who there's a lot of reasons to not like that guy there's a lot of other people within the company and other structures within warner brothers discovery that allows other decisions to get made and like within that business focused you know that business first focus uh netflix doesn't operate that same way so ted's thinking sort of gets sort of bleeds through in a way that sort of makes for decisions I very strongly disagree with. Um, so yeah. I don't know. It's I, 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 I'm, I, I mourn the loss of Reed Hastings, but I'm curious to what he's going to do next. Okay. Uh, you can find more of all of the stories we mentioned on today's podcast on SlashHome.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashHome.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. And we will talk to you tomorrow.